but I think he should finish. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell, all box, all the time, getting you fired up for all things sweet science, the best box pod in the game. What other pod gonna give you this kind of package? That's the question I got for you this week. Loaded show, talking about all things Jeff Horn vacationing in hell. The return of the pound for pound king, Vasily Lomachenko, against some British guy, my cousin Luke, who, wow, cousin Luke brought the heat. More on that to come. And a look ahead to what should be the worst weekend in boxing history. Will Rafe Boogs care? No, no, he won't. Not you, not you, and not you. All right. Uh, a lot of news to break down. A lot of stuff to talk about. Lotta. Arislandi Lotta. Yeah, we're going to talk about him too. But um, let me uh, not waste any more time and bring in the true star of this show. He goes by the name... Of Big Rich, yeah. It's Dwyer, the week of the fight. Oh, sorry, that guy's not the star of this show. Uh, more on him to come in a minute as well. Let me bring in my co-host, the New York Times best-selling author, a handsome six-foot-four bloke. He now calls Detroit a home. Nine Mile, brother. It's Rave Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Lomachenko. Hit you all around. Oh, he is everywhere. Loma. Um, oh, baby. Rafe Bartholomew, um, let me start by axing you this. Let me take you behind the fourth wall, Rafe. I okay. want Richard Dwyer on this podcast. I CC'd you on an email involving Big Rich this past week. Right on. Was I supposed to jump in there? Was no. I supposed to kind of add the sweet talk? I was just trying to be a, a, a casual observer. A voyeur to the... To I the... like to watch, Brian. What's wrong yeah. with that? <laughs> it's 2019, right? That's what men do. Uh Richie D, I, look, I know, you know, Rich, hit me up on the D. Hit me up on the low. I know that uh, he's a busy man, right? Fighting, fighting the law, right? He fought the law. And the Dwyer won. But uh, no reply, no response, all right? I'm trying, folks. I'm trying, people. I'm trying to make this thing happen. Brian, in the, in the catalog, the pantheon of Brian Campbell no-sells, where does Richard Dwyer ghosting you on email rank compared to, say, you chasing after top bloke, Darren Barker in Las Vegas trying to talk to him about the time he had no business getting up from that body shot. And Barker maybe only glancing over his shoulder before speeding up and getting the hell out of there. Twice, including the second time, one second after I was like, hey, Rick, remember that time Barker uh, blew us off earlier today and then he did it a second time? I'm like, bro. Would you like to shake my hand? Shake me. Shake something. Shake Shaq. Um, no, um... I'm going to give Richie the benefit of the doubt for now. Look, he's a busy man, okay? It's it's a Labor Day weekend. That guy is laborious, right? Maybe that guy just needed some time off. Maybe he's going through labor at the moment. But uh, That's not what men do. Wow. Uh, is there any chance he tasted and seed? He heard about our podcast, sounded boring, 
went and listened to it, we thought maybe he would get into the hero worship that exists on this show of the great Richard Dwyer, but instead was appalled, was turned off, Rafe. There's a, that's, it's always, it's always, Rafe. It's always a possibility. I know I sound like a crackpot. Not the first time. Brian, that is poppycock. Absolute poppycock. That's what I call that. No one, he, I, I, if you are listening, Mr. Dwyer. It's all love. It's all love. All, all love. And there is a cult. You have a cult, sir. And, and they need to hear from you. They do. They do. Um, there are, there are a lot of people that, that would love to hear from you. All right. I can't linger too much longer in Dwyer or, yeah, I mean, look, Rich, Rich, that's the thing. Rich has taught us a lot. Don't fall in love with a place to watch boxing, Rafe, that potentially no longer exists. I was at a bar. It's no longer with us, unfortunately. The bar got knocked out. Hooters. In uh, West San Jose slash Cupertino. Campbell, I'm not sure bro. which town it was in. It's Campbell, right? California, right? And the crowd was a Canelo crowd. Great place to watch a Canelo fight. How is he not remembering his own story there? Is there multiple Hooters that he's going to? What's Cupertino, Rafe? Well, I don't know the geography of the, the South, uh, you know, the South Bay, that part of that mountain view, that whole area that well. It might be that Campbell is a town there near the bigger cities of San Jose and Cupertino, which I have heard of more than Campbell. But you know what I was thinking, Brian, is that it's really a shame that that Hooters has closed because it would have been uh, in Campbell, California would have been a great place to watch cousin Luke Campbell put in some work over this past weekend. Strong attempt at a transition there, Rafe. Strong, very strong right there. We're not right? doing it, though, huh? Not doing it. It's bitch. Yeah. Quick reminder, though, Rafe, you mentioned Darren Barker ghosting me. This is why I love our listeners. You know this European bloke, Ulrich Anderson? He is an, he's a Hall of Fame DM and email slider. I mean, yes. he hits you with, with gems on, on all platforms. He is a European journalist. He has interviewed me in the past for, for pieces. Great box fan. Loves us going back to the ropes. He sent me an email, Rafe, that said, BC, great night at the O2 last night, meaning the O2 arena, Lomachenko Campbell, but nothing compared to running into Darren Barker at the post-fight party, telling him he had absolutely no business getting up from that body shot. He seemed slightly taken aback by our enthusiasm, but was, of course, a quality bloke. Had to share this picture with you, Rafe. I shared this picture with you of Ulrich and an S-eating grin with Darren Barker. Great moments in podcasting history, Rafe. You know what? I got to say it was it was awesome. That the whole email was fantastic. The only thing that that got to me a little bit is kind of it's hard to 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 see our listeners out there and know that they are less washed and better looking than us. And Ulrich wow. is both of those things, I think. Do you think he had his campion moment though there? I nobody has campion moments quite like you do, Brian. I don't know. I don't know if anyone can make championship fighters feel legends legends people we love make them feel as awkward and uncomfortable oh, come on. as like your chris farley show routine in las vegas these are my heroes i'm not afraid to shower them with love and praise all right let's get into the things that matter but first rafe let's pause for a moment 
to hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. There's a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent the personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. BC, Big Rafe, a little bit of Richie Dwyer sprinkled on top of it. Rafe, let's get into the things that truly matter this week in the world of boxing. It all went down in London, O2 Arena. Vasily Lomachenko, your pound, four-pound king, at least from my perspective, both coming in and, by the way, coming out, just so you know. I know, whoa, whoa, hey, all right, you know, great, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, there it is. Um, some people like Bud. ESPN can can change their tune every week depending on who's fighting. But Lomachenko brought in two lightweight world titles and exited with a third one, claiming that vacant WBC belt after a scintillating, and I'm going to go as far as saying fantastic, 12-round affair with Luke Campbell. Rafe, this was my kind of fight. My kind of fight. This was intelligent, it was high work rate, it was high speed chest, there were adjustments going on, and in the end, Loma takes away a well-deserved unanimous decision. But correct me if I'm wrong, was the come-away story just as much about how world-class Cousin Luke is as it was Lomachenko's still your pound-for-pound king? Well, Brian, I actually believe that that come away story so to speak i don't know where you came up with that probably should be more on cousin luke and how good he was what a great account he gave of himself what a strong game plan they took into that fight i think that shane mcguigan the trainer and luke campbell gave themselves the best chance they had to win that fight i thought they they made Lomachenko work in those early rounds, probably were even through maybe four rounds, maybe even six rounds, and really made Lomachenko go figure out a way to 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 win cleanly. And yo, he did. Credit to him, but this was these were world class top operators at such a high level fighting fighting their best. And I don't I don't I don't think that Anything, I don't think that Lomachenko did, did anything wrong or looked worse because he was in a real fight against a, a guy who came in and executed against him and, and had some advantages and used them. I just thought it, I, I'm with you. I like to shoot down your, I like to pop your balloon every now and then. I like to, um, I don't know. No, I, I can't jack here. No, no, it has to be your bull, but I like to do that to you, but I'm not going to do it to you this time because I agree. Oh, 
this was a this was a fun fight. It was high speed chess. I think I would like to put a little more emphasis on how good Luke looked and how, and, and how good of a fighter that guy is, and 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 maybe could still be becoming. Cause whoa, okay, <laughs> becoming. It's, oh, it's a be verb. coming. All right, all right. I thought yeah. it was your load. All right. Um, I sometimes I be coming, but yeah, I'm becoming no, 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 a no. superstar in the the podcast game. No, 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 no. Um, it's it's Luke's show. Here's the deal. Luke Luke Campbell looked like an old timey fighter with the jacked up John Stockton shorts, but ultimately he fought like an old timey fighter. We know that Loma at 135, not his natural weight class, eventually ended up there because. Couldn't get the big names at 26 or eventually 30 because there weren't big names at the time. And he's going to be over his head to a certain degree against larger skilled fighters, just like against Jorge Linares, just like against Jose Pedraza. This fight was no different because Campbell had that same level of elite craft, the former Olympic gold medalist, that those other two had. So he was able to use distance beautifully. He was able to vary his his boxing and make Lomachenko pay when he did dart in and get underneath that jab and try to close distance and go to the body, which was open against a much taller fighter. But I think Luke showed you a lot, certainly toughness in his ability to not get stopped in round five when the, when the fight really turned into that Brian, other direction. Can we say that, that cousin Luke had no business not going down from that body shot? He had no business getting up from that body shot in round, in round, uh, what was that? 11, 11, and then almost stopped at points in round 12, really, right? And and fought back and gave Loma something to think about early by being able to land power shots. But he kept that active jab in Loma's face throughout the fight, and that was a big, giant key. Loma's small at this weight class. Yes, he has sublime next-level footwork. But typically what happens in these fights is Loma gets inside eventually. You better, you better ref and get inside on him. And... Then it's just outclass city because he's going to land those insane angles and the explosive punches and at times be young Pacquiao ish with that where you're like, oh, my God, where's this coming from? I'm getting tagged. But most guys fold in that point, Rafe. They either go under the guard and spend the rest of the fight circling or they quit. Luke dug in and said, no, this is my moment. Luther Campbell right here. Right. Me so horny. You love me long time. This is my time. And, and look, Luke is elite. Had lost to Yvonne Mendy, but ran that back and won it back. Had lost by split decision in a title bout to Jorge Linares, who gave Lomachenko hell. I think Luke elevates himself in this loss. But there's a couple different subplots. I really, that annoyed me for different reasons that I want to get your takes on. Are you ready, Rafe? I'm, look, there's a lot of ridiculousness in boxing, Brian. Try not to let it get you down, but I what's mean, what's on your mind? Ultimately, we know who Lomachenko is. Sorry, Teddy. Lomachenko is the test man. But Yeah, he's the test maker. But no, Luke was the test maker on this level. In fact, Luke was so much the text, test maker, Rafe. How in the hell, how in the hell could he have, in the end, lost the unanimous decision by what? 11 rounds to one with a knockdown, 10 rounds to two with a knockdown. Rafe, I'm not giving you the hipster Thurman B. Pacquiao spiel here, even though there's a case for that. By the way, still getting hate. Still getting hate on Twitter for that scorecard, all right? All right, why don't you mail your hate to Glenn Feldman, too? All right, Avon's finest, all right? Saw the same fight. If you want to give us his address, I'd be happy to uh, write something there. Um, Rafe, I'm not saying this was 7-5. 
I get that there was a knockdown. I get that overall Lomachenko landed the bigger punches. But how are you going to watch 12 rounds of that chess match and come away going, yeah, yeah, 10 rounds to two, 11 rounds to one, that's fine. Yeah, look, I'm, I don't disagree with you there, Brian. I think there's perhaps an argument that these judges all watched the fight and saw that and basically shaded the close rounds to Lomachenko instead of giving credit to Campbell for some of the work he was doing in there. I think that's hard. If you ask me what I think is more likely that that happened, they were just penciling in rounds for Lomachenko because he's Lomachenko and he's great. And you think, oh, I can't really go wrong giving a round to Loma. And so I I do I think they were bad scores. I don't think it matters. The right guy won. Does it ultimately does it matter if it should have been a nine three card or an eight four card? No, it really doesn't. But I, I I raised an eyebrow. I was like, and especially especially. This fight was in, in the UK. This was, well, I, I, I expect to see some chicanery, some shenanigans. I want to see Loma crapping bricks because he won a fight, but he might not win the fight. You know, I, I, I want, that's why we, that's why, <laughs> that's why we watch this sport sometimes. I would, I would dare to say, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I would have to actually investigate this claim, but I'd dare to say that I've seen fights where Guys have gone on the road in the UK and won wider than I think Lomo won, except they lost their fights. <laughs> Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Well, they didn't really get the score right. And I, and I bring that up not to just, you know, not, this is not Campbell stepping up for a Campbell, but this is to tell you that Luke Campbell gave an A plus elite performance, made Lomachenko work. I just think he deserved better for that. Yes, he's elevated. Yes, he proved to you that he's still elite there in a loss. But, man, Luke Campbell made this fight great. This was a borderline great fight, Rafe. I, I know that if you watched casually, if you came away at the, oh, okay, big win for Loma, let's move on. No, this was this was good theater. This was fantastic. The adjustments he made to make Loma work. Now, let's not go any further without then telling you, Lomachenko is the pound for pound king for a reason because he countered those adjustments and was able to get inside. And when he puts together those combos and when he goes to the body and when he does all the magician things that he does, he's freaking amazing, which is why even though he may not have the pop for his own weight class that a Spence or a Crawford does, I'm still standing firm with Lomachenko as my pound for pound king. But here's the second sort of subplot that I want to get off of my timeline. People that watched this fight and maybe couldn't hear Jimmy Luke Campbell and came away going, you know what? Lomachenko's 31, and I think he's on the other side of that mountain now. And I think he's showing you now that blah, blah, blah. But guys, he's in a weight class over his head, and he's fighting world-class competition against the Linares, Pedrazas, and Campbells. Can and we he stop? Is dominating all of them. So <laughs> can we stop with the, with the hipster ideas of one, he's on his way to being washed. Two, somebody's gonna knock him out pretty soon. Or three, he just showed you against Campbell that he's not the pound for pound king. Good God, Rafe. Yeah. You know what? You're right, Brian. It's, it, it, it's, stu- I don't get it. I don't, I think it's crazy. Uh, it's pretty, to me, it's 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 plainly obvious to see the size difference, you know, uh, not just when you measure it side by side with a ruler, but just in the way. Oh, sorry, I, but the way they perform in the ring together, Lomachenko is landing 
combinations and clean shots that sh- even even for a fighter who's not a, a really heavy-handed puncher, which he is not, should have you would expect to have more of an effect at a natural weight class of his. Remember what ha- remember when he landed some of these shots on Roman Gonzalez? Oh, I mean, it was Martinez, knockout bro. of the year. He didn't material. fight Chocolatito. You're talking about Rocky Martinez. Did I, yes. Did I say Roman Martin, uh, Rocky Martinez? He did not, he did not, he would send, you know what? He would send Chocolatito to hell too though. <laughs> That's right. Um, anyway, he, <laughs> but yeah, I, the, the, the size disadvantage he, Lomachenko is, is working with at lightweight is to me pretty easy to see. <clears throat> and the way that he manages to overcome that and still basically operate as a, very offensive press, pressure fighter backing up these opponents, forcing them to really focus most of their game plan on using jabs and feints to occupy him, to give just keep him off of them and keep his offense from overwhelming them. It's so impressive. It's so beautiful. It's it's something no one else does in the same way and it, i loved your your pacquiao comparison your earlier from young you know younger pacquiao comparison that you mentioned earlier in the podcast because it's there's something different about it because it does it's that same overwhelming angles you can't keep up with what he's doing but with manny it always seemed to be this pure instinctual he's just so fast he's all over the place he he you never really felt like Manny knew what he was going to do before he was going to do it. Whereas Lomachenko is almost, he, he, it's like he, he's planning it out. He's just, he's five steps ahead at all times. And I don't think one style, if you're five steps ahead because you, because you planned it or you're five steps ahead because you're an instinctual genius, I don't think that really matters, but it's just interesting to see the, see the different ways they, they get there. It's, 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 it's the beauty of boxing that, that, that you can, figure out different ways to solve that puzzle and that you can be smaller. And I, I, one, one, one piece of evidence in the Loma is not a natural lightweight category is that because this was for a WBC belt. And I heard this mentioned on the BBC five live podcast, shout out to Bunce and Costello, great guys to watch a Hooters something at. Um, but no, they mentioned that, Lomachenko was only weighed in at 137 pounds at the 14-day check-in. So this is a guy who's on weight two weeks before the fight. This that that's not what that is not that is what men do, but is not what men fighting at in today's what in, in today's weight classes do. Right? Every everybody's trying to sweat down and then gain a bunch of weight and and use that advantage. And Loma is not bringing that into the ring. So. What he does, it's, it's unique. It's incredible. And with these pound for pound lists, they're so subjective. I don't really care if someone thinks that, that Terrence Crawford is better because that's, uh, there are times when I see Terrence Crawford and be like, yeah, I kind of do think he's better, but I, I don't, that doesn't take anything away from Vasily Lomachenko. Like these are great fighters and there's, they, they, like they are being in a good fight, being forced to work as Loma was by Luke Campbell in this fight. That doesn't diminish him in no, any way. That's what men do. Lomachenko is a quarterback. He's brainy. He's Montana. He's, oh, he's stop young. it. He's done it all. 
Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Teddy could have kept going. He's Elvis Gerbach. He's Steve Bono. He's, he's, yeah. All right. Sonny Bono? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, did, what, how did he die, Rafe? Was that the skiing accident or was that JFK Jr. or Tony Danza or? Tony Danza died too? No, no, sorry. He's still with us. I think. I don't know. I don't he know. is. He, he calls into the Brian Lair show on WNYC all the time talking about his Italian cold cut shop. All right. All right. Um, Rafe, uh, I just, I feel like represent and know what we're seeing in Lomachenko because I know we can get mad when Bob compares him to Muhammad Ali and everybody else and, and say things like that. But this really is an all time special fighter and a guy who's fighting over his head because he can and he's doing these things. So when you look at his potential future, like what are we building towards? We think we're building towards the idea of him getting a shot at undisputed lightweight champion, which first we need to see Richard Kami defend against Teofimo Lopez Jr. And then potentially top rank can give us that four belt Super Bowl. But there was something in the post-fight interview with Bob Arum there in England where Arum kind of said, look, I don't know if we're going to go in that direction because these guys might not want to wait for that. And then Alexander Usyk delivered one of the all-time great boxing memes by sliding in behind Bob and giving the creepy eyes another incredible moment and a comedic genius, which is Ali Usyk, Rafe. Can't get enough of this guy loving this guy. More on him to come. So a couple things I want to put on your radar. Apparently, can you put some some flies on my windshield? Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you believe in flying kangaroos? Uh, apparently, Gervonta Gervonta Davis give up giving up his title at one thirty, officially moving up to lightweight. Is that the joint network pay per view that we could and should be building towards? Is that a possibility? Is that Mayweather Pacquiao of twenty twenty in the lower weight classes? Would both if- sides want to do that? Well, yeah, I was going to say, if possible, why not? That's a fight I'd love to see. I am, I am, I remain, and I don't think this is crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm with, with Gervonta Davis, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to the, to, to the man who's undefeated, extremely impressive, has a great knockout win over Jose Pedraza. There's a lot of good things, but uh, where is this, where does it come from that he is the guy to to beat Lomachenko, what have we seen other than power? power but power, and 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 plus athleticism. I mean, really, the the guy is Mikey Garcia. But if he is not going to go down to thirty five, we still don't know, dude. Mikey Garcia doesn't know what he's doing day to day. I thought he was signing with Eddie Hearn two weeks ago, and then nothing happened, and going to the zone. If Mikey Garcia makes a legitimate run to cut back down to thirty five, that's the career defining fight for Loma because Garcia brings the combination of craft and power. But if not. From the idea of selling something massive that's an actual pay-per-view. Dude, it's Gervonta, man. He's got the pop. I would like the swagger, the celebrity. I I don't, even, even if I, even if I am less sold on the, on the greatness, just because he hasn't had a chance to prove it yet. Hell yes, I want to see it. If they can make it, great. Now there is just knowing who's involved, especially with Floyd Mayweather guiding the guy's career. I got to say, anybody who thinks that they're going to make that fight any time before Floyd feels that it is a win for Javante Davis is kind of crazy. Why would they? Ooh, you think Why they'd automatically they? wait the 31-year-old Loma out until he's like 33 and he's over that I hill. believe we call in the business, we call that the Canelo. Oh, wow, wow. Well, look, I want things. 
This is one of the things I really want. I want yeah, guys. But I mean, I want an 11-inch penis. It's not going to happen. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, Eddie, the great Eddie Hearns. Thank you. The other thing I want to put on your radar is this. Uh, it, it came out from an interview with Aram, I think. I laughed at it. But he said, he said he, he's, he's got, he, you know, he's about to bring in, uh, the Japanese monster, Naiwa Inoue, who is going to be in the WBSS 118 pound final against Nonito Donare. Yeah, let's not, let's not overlook the Filipino flash here, okay, guys? Okay. Nonito Donero. Do you want to talk, uh, Rachel, do you want to talk or no? We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just any, any girls want to talk? The stiffness. All right. Uh, oh, and the wow. frequency. Okay, that's it, Richard. That's Nonito it. has a stick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Jer- Jaren has a dad. Come on. Oh, oh, God, God. Uh, where I'm going with this is Bob floating out the idea of Inoue somehow meeting Loma in the middle and saying Lomachenko can still make 126 with ease. Now, here's the deal, though. It's not that I doubt that. But how for how many years, including up to like a year ago, have we heard, well, Pacquiao could still make 135 with ease. But he never ended up doing it because it never made sense to. Or is this a thing that could happen that uh, apparently Inoue wants Loma? Can, can Loma really make 126 with ease? Would it be smart to? Is this a super fight that could actually be in our future, Rafe? It, it does sound a little bit fanciful, especially because it had, I had never heard any rumbling of it prior to, uh, the Bob father bringing it up last week. But it is not, look, if Lomachenko really can make 126, then, then, then hell, that's an awesome fight. I do, th- I don't doubt, you know, Uwe's ability to go up in weight. He seems, he seemed, I don't know, what, what's crazy is the, the lower weights he's fought at. He's seemed gigantic at each of them. He seems gigantic at 118 right now. Um, so if, if it could, look, I don't, this, you know what's sad about that? It's, it sounds crazy because it involves both fighters jumping two weight classes from where they have most recently fought in opposite directions. And the crazy, terrible thing about it in this effed up world of boxing is that it sounds more likely to me than a Gervonta Davis fight in the near future. Wow, it's very reminiscent of Floyd and Tension Nasukawa, right? Like, just just come up five weight classes above your natural weight. Meet me there. Meet me in Temecula, brother. And folks, it's magnificent. What's most likely to happen for Loma's next big fight, Rafe? Gravante Super Bowl double network, some weird monster creation, or let's go back to what's there and what works. Lomachenko versus the winner of Kami Lopez. Oh, I would say Lomachenko versus the winner of Kami Lopez for sure. Now, that fight feels even bigger, and it's unfair to Richard Kame, who's who's had a really good career. His only losses are debatable, and has a good chance to beat Teofimo Lopez, but there will be a lot more. It'll be a, it'll feel like a bigger fight with the young undefeated potential superstar if Teofimo Lopez wins that fight and then heads into a, 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 a you know, a rising superstar versus a prime superstar, uh, in, in Lomachenko. Good lord, that'd be a great fight. Let's not gloss over that. The idea. That's a of, big fight. Oh, that was what we were hyped for that possibility not long ago. I, I, I'm not crapping on that. Well, it's, it's like certainly if you told me that that fight happens and it goes 12, you're like, okay, well then Loma would have, you know, won the chess match. 
But Lopez has that next level leap in left hook ability where it's like Roy Jones type of reaction. I know he just got a little bit solved in his last fight where he came back down to earth and didn't have maybe the quick enough reactions and adjustments. But just on pure athleticism and pop, that's the kind of guy that will eventually maybe solve Lomachenko and show you that he's over his head. Need to see that fight. But like you're saying, don't look over Kamei. That, that communist. Don't look past him. Look, it may indeed be a, a great night for Ghana boxing. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right. That's it. That's all I got for you on that one. Uh, I did not catch this co-main event. I hate doing this to people, being honest, telling them, look, I, I host a boxing podcast, and I didn't watch this boxing fight. I didn't watch Povetkin against Yui Fury. Did you, Rafe, watch that fight? Unfortunately, Brian, I did watch. And there's a reason I didn't watch. Now let's talk about Yui Fury. Right? Mr. Performance Anxiety. Right? If I were the manufacturer of uh, things like Cialis, I would consider having Yui Fury as a spokesman. In other words, when the when it's time for the event... This guy has a problem delivering. No. Wow, did he have performance-enhancing anxiety against Povetkin? It, I, look, Dwyer, I hate to say it, but he called it. You know, you might as well put Huey Fury in the commercial with Rafael Palmero <laughs> and slang Viagra together because he, he, he may have a stick, but he, he, he didn't use it enough in that Povetkin fight. Uh, did you, do you like Andy Van Slyke? former Pirates outfielder being added to that Frank Thomas uh, uh, dong pill commercial lately? Oh, I have not been uh, privy to the, the, the great world of dong pills. you got to realize that I don't even have a television in my house. Yeah, brother. you're very old school Detroit. Well, Frank Thomas has that ultimate man testosterone commercial. And I love that the producer's like, you know, we should get another baseball legend to join with him. <laughs> Andy. Let's get Andy Van Slyke. Uh, I would much prefer Kevin Elster. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that it didn't move me. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah, we were on. Uh, did Poviakin still look like a world class? Could challenge for a title, and could win a title. Late thirties heavyweight. Yeah, he looks like to me. He looks like the same dude. He looks like the guy who beats most good heavyweights and got knocked and got knocked out by AJ and lost to Klitschko. Did did that end in a stoppage? That was a disgusting fight. Whatever it was, uh, he lost with like. 15 fake knockdowns and one deduction against Klitschko. God, that fight sucked. Um, he's the same guy. He's the I same guy. Luis he's, he's on that. the good performance enhancing audio has been. He likes the Meldonium. He's been popped for it a couple of times. That comes. So, so it, 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 it's one of those things you hate to kind of look at him as, as good a, as dangerous a fighter as he is because you might have doubts about it, but. When he shows up in the ring and gets to fight, he is a serious heavyweight. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, it's, it's time to really, it's time to roll on. It's time to move on. It's time to talk other important things here. Rich, can you take us there, Rich? Can you, can you lead us to the next level? Let's talk Jeff Horn. All right. All right. Let's do it, Rafe. This is why the people came to the show. Shout out again for the great Alex McClintock for joining us last week to set this up. 
Good thing we gave 25 minutes to this fight last week because, boy, did the theater deliver on this one for Jeff Hahn. A 5-1 to one favorite in the Battle of Bendingo. You took his nuts. Now you got to take his his uh, his his kangaroo. Take take his horse. Take take his whole pouch away, Rafe. I don't know where I'm going with this. Here's what I got for you though. Magic Mike Zarafa had his day. This fight was this at 54, Rafe. It was somewhere around there, 54, 160, I think. It's hard to find a stream. It's hard to find good highlights of this. I've seen the highlights, though. And in the end, Rafe, do we need to bring in Prince Nassim Hamed? I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. Jeff Horn got dropped in round... Wow, that's too harsh. That's too harsh, okay? Jeff Horn dropped in round two, cut over his eye, and eventually stopped late. And it wasn't a quick stoppage. This was a let's give this this school teacher, this Rocky, a chance to be a hero. He wasn't a hero. He didn't have it, Rafe. Your thoughts on a wild night in Bendingo? Well, my first thought, Brian, is that Joe Horn cannot be going down to Bendingo to get knocked out by Michael Serapi. What? Um, what? <laughs> you don't remember that? The Stephen A? Oh, Stephen yes, A. yes, sorry. I thought you That's were setting funny. up a Manny different... Manny Pacquiao uh, cannot be going down to Pacquiao, Australia to get knocked out. You do not need to be getting knocked by... out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> At least somebody got the sound right. All right. Sorry about that. Yes. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, look. If Jeff Horn can't make 147 pounds, then... Prince Nassim might be right. He might have to finish because his style, the broken pressure, rhythm, all that stuff has a lot. It's successful because he's such a big old welterweight. Now he wasn't, he, he did, he couldn't, that wasn't doing him any good against Zarafa, who's, who's nothing amazing at 154, but isn't terrible. And, Beat him up over nine rounds. Horn, I, I look. I didn't. I didn't get to see the fight either because we we still haven't. They haven't released the tapes, just like Connor and Pauly. Um, but but I was TV following on Twitter. It? I was I was on Twitter Saturday morning, just hanging on to every update from anyone in Australia who was watching it. And it sounded like Horn had some moments. It sounded like he he rallied back in the third and fourth rounds and actually hurt Zarafa. Looked like he might have been taken over. Obviously, that that did not continue uh, because by the time I found a Facebook Live image of the last round, Horn was getting battered all over the ring and falling face like getting up to his knees, falling face first back onto his face. It was it was ugly. He got he may. And he's saying it himself. He has to think about what to do with his career from here. I guess he does have a um, what? He's got a he's got a rematch clause. They say in this, so maybe they can run it back. He said he wasn't feeling good, so maybe he he can come in and and right this wrong. But I got it doesn't look good. You, what Rafe. he doesn't make sense as a as a hundred fifty four pounder. He doesn't no, make he doesn't. sense as a hundred sixty pounder. Well, here's the deal, Rafe. He kind of doesn't make sense as an elite welterweight either. So here's no, where I ask true. you the hard questions. Here's why I bring in Joe, where Joe Horn is going to have to have those really hard 
chats with her husband about the future. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, I don't think so. But anyway, it's good I mean, to dream. You it, know. it is good to dream. I mean, he's had everyone everywhere he's gone tell him, including his wife, you can't do this. You can't fight Manny Pacquiao. You can't win. So here's my real question, Rafe. Like, was Jeff Horn ever really good? Or is this guy, with the help of brainwasher Glenn Rushton, the most irrationally confident person ever? So irrationally confident, Rafe, that it could lift him to beating an off-day Manny Pacquiao, who may have not had the headphones on for that fight, who may have not trained during senator work going, yeah, I'll go to Australia and make a few million for fun. Let's go do it. And that led to such an insane level of irrational confidence that somebody needs to save him from himself because that level of irrational confidence will get him taken so far down to the deep, dark depths of hell against the Canelo Triple G middleweight likes that maybe this stop at 54 against Magic Mike was the perfect wake-up call to be like, bro, you aren't, you ain't, and you never was. But because you're so obscenely, irrationally confident, delusionally confident, you were able to broken rhythm pressure yourself into one of the greatest sporting moments in Australian history. And congratulations on that, by the way. But, bro, you ain't. And you're not. So get away. Get the hell away. Rafe, was he ever actually a thing? Or is this just the power of, like, cosmic Glenn Rushton confidence? <laughs> well, look, I have never been face-to-face with Brad Glenn Rushton. I have never seen that scorpion I'd host a neck, BBC that scorpion pendant you. dangling from his yes. chest with the open with the open shirts i mean and that just just looking at it through a laptop screen it has an effect on me so i can understand how jeff horn might be be hypnotized mesmerized lifted like that look i do think that the incredible head games that glenn rushton seemed to work on jeff horn throughout his career building him up from this mild-mannered teacher who wanders into the house of dreams in Brisbane and wants to train boxing so that people won't boss him around when he takes his wife out to an Olympian, to a guy who was winning semi-meaningful welterweight fights in Australia before getting uh, a shot at Manny Pacquiao and fighting well enough to get that decision out there in Australia. That's an incredible incredible thing that the two of them accomplished and he yes he jeff horn was good he was good enough at that weight with that size fighting that style to be somewhat i I would have considered him a back end of the top 10 style welterweight if he can't make welterweight and perhaps now that he's lost a couple times now that the balloon has been popped that that this that that like you said people are demonstrating for him that he's not and he ain't and he can't and he won't, that maybe he can't get that back. Maybe that's the issue more than the skills that were never truly, truly elite. Maybe it's that he, he, he can't get back to that mental state where he could overcome and, and, and whatever because of his, because he was brainwashed because he was out there just on autopilot fighting broken pressure rhythm all the time 
either way, it, it's not looking good, man. It is not looking good for Jeffrey. It's tough. You have you are you um do you but know I don't about, but I, I don't take credit away from him for looking like a real top ten welterweight for a minute. Or looking like a real man. Jeff was a real man. Yeah. He said, Manny Pacquiao, you don't got nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh so Rafe, are you are you up on certain conspiracies? Which ones? What are we talking Brainwashing about? Brainwashing conspiracies, the idea of the old supposed government system called MK Ultra. Where they, you know, there's people who believe that certain pop stars throughout the years, like a Michael Jackson, like a Britney Spears, like an Elvis Presley, was brainwashed at a very early age to become a star, and uh, that there's a system, whether it's through drugs or whatever, that that you know, and sometimes they they fall out of the brainwashing. Like remember that Britney Spears interview that time on uh, on whatever, and it was weird and whatever. Um, is there any chance that this sorcerer Glenn Rushton? Like legitimately brainwash Jeff Horn on an MK Ultra level to just walk into traffic. And like we mentioned, you caught Manny Pacquiao on the perfect day and you made a damn name for yourself. But now you got, Jeff Horn's you, you, waking you ended up. Teddy's run as a, as an on air guy. That's a very good the group. End. That's a very good uh, point. And now, you know, he's waking up from it. He's just sort of like, and Glenn's going to get that kid hurt, Rafe. Yeah, if it keeps going like this, that that is going to happen. They need to be a little more careful. Um, look, it, it could just be that that he lost a couple times, and it, it, it he was he could do certain things at welterweight. He couldn't make the weight anymore. So you're you're Started you're going up. back into boxing. You're like, bro. He was I'm sorry. Not- I don't. I can't tell you, Brian. It, what is all right? You want to get you want to get real? I don't know. Whatever, philosophical, hat. dumb for a minute. Tinfoil. Um, what's the difference between motivation and brainwashing? Like maybe, maybe he was just, maybe Glenn was just really talking him up, got him feeling good about himself. Is that brainwashing? What, what needs to, or, or do you think that Glenn rushed in just literally like, like, like the movie Get Out? He's sitting there with a teacup. Yes. Spinning the spoon around and being like, you will, you will win, Jeffrey. Put the lotion in the basket, Jeffrey. What, if Horn ends up with a Rushton haircut, then we'll know that there were chemicals involved and <laughs> fluid sharing and all that gross stuff. All right. Uh, so Michael Zarafa moves on probably to the next level of Australian super fight. Probably the shapeshifter, Anthony Mundine, for all we know. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that Horn either cuts back down to 47 and kills himself and realizes that's his only thing or just goes into further Australian super fight mode, go fight a Tim Zoo and then walk away, okay? Then maybe go back and, and be a gym teacher again. Be a motivational speaker. Right? Build your own house of dreams and inspire other young Australian teachers. Um Yeah, all of, but I, I got to go, go, go back to Zarafa for a minute. He has to do the Aussie thing, right? He has to fight Mundine. Yes. And then he has to start calling out, like, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, telling them that they all got to meet him in, in Bending, Bendingo, as you like to call it. Are you aware of this ring girl controversy that, that kind of, uh. I, I did read that story. I gotta say, we need all, I hope that Australia produces another sort of fringe or, or full on world class talent because our guy Dean Lonergan of Zuko Promotions out there. Zuko. Duco? Yeah. D U C O. All right. All right. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's a former rugby star. He basically, you know. He should just harden up. Like, seriously, bang it full of quarters and get on with it. 
<laughs> He's hilarious, man. All of his passive aggressive comments. They put a ring card boy out there. They were called because... male fight progress managers, Rafe. Oh my god. It's he <laughs> He's he's a treasure. I, I I need I need him to come over here and and inject some of that uh, that Australian New Zealand version of of uh, bomb throwing into our world. Well, there was a local Bendigo councilman, a member of the city of Greater Bendigo. I believe it was a councilwoman. Councilwoman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rafe. A counselor. How about counselor? Yes. Yeah, I think that's the correct gender neutral term. A member of the city of Greater Bendigo's gender equity working group who objected to the use of, quote, token trophy women at combat sports events, which is what got the crowd booing when these male fight progress managers showed up. All right, I'm gonna, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Uh yeah. Okay. Uh tough night for Jeff Horn, tough night for Ghana boxing, tough night for uh Australia. Another Australian hero inevitably sent to hell, right? Right? W- along with Wash Giel, along with Jared Fletcher. That's right. Now he gets to be Washed Horn. Uh Jeff with some interesting quotes afterwards. I don't want to be doing this forever, getting battered and bruised. I've got two beautiful girls and Joe. He also said That's kind of foul, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He could have said three, right? Could have said three. <laughs> and my beautiful wife. <laughs> he said And Joe. I'm a bit shattered. It's not fun losing, that's for sure. I felt really sluggish. I felt heavy. I felt like crap going into it. Interesting. Interesting, Rafe. Black pill, maybe? Yeah, where was uh, the man with the black hat? Where was James Kirkland on this night? I know how he was trying to get close, but but where was he? That's the question. Uh, also this weekend in fights, Rafe, Arislandi Lara in a Fox main event in Minnesota that we rightfully criticized. You can't put Lara in there for a secondary 54 belt against a bootleg Canelo brother in a Fox main event. He's he's both a bootleg Canelo brother and a bootleg Jason Statham. He's a hero. Yeah, uh, Ramon Alvarez missed weight by four pounds, Rafe, for like this career-defining opportunity to prove that he's not just Saul's older brother, but that he's something else. Rafe, he got sent to hell by Lara in two rounds almost knocked through the ropes um there's nothing good you can say about this there is literally nothing good anyone can say about this it, so, uh, the fight shouldn't have been made man it no, shouldn't have been made and then it just got worse it's sort of that's it's 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 Sometimes that kind of bad karma snowballs, right? Shouldn't it shouldn't have happened in the first place. Then uh-oh, now now the guy who really shouldn't have been in there is is can't make weight and i don't know if it, how much of you know how much to blame him for obviously it is ultimately his responsibility it sounded like he had some real problems made a some kind of real effort that during fight week and didn't get there wouldn't it shouldn't have mattered because he shouldn't have been there it it was just it was it was bad dangerous borderline i would say borderline dangerous matchmaking yeah I can't defend it at any point. I mean, I guess the best news, if you care about future fights in a hot division, which 54 is, especially within PBC with the likes of Jermel Charlo, Tony Harrison, Jared Hurd, J-Rock Williams. We got some names there. Lara at, what, 36, got freshened up, so to speak. But come on, for a Fox main event, it just was not good. Hopefully... uh Hopefully the bad karma doesn't spill over from this. But that was just, I mean, 
I mean, look, Ramon got the raw dog, but Ramon was going to get the raw dog under any circumstance. It almost should have been a uh, Digstown style where, okay, you knocked out Ramon in two. Up in the bullpen, we got Rigoberto. Oh, oh, you knock him out. Okay, we got Archie Solis wants to be a part of this riff. All right, we got oh, you. What are the other bootleg Canelo brothers' names? What are they? Is it like well, uh, the uh, not we could we could bring in uh, rising one hundred forty seven pound superstar who spent a, a chunk of time in Guadalajara, Blair the Flare. Yes, yes, yes. I just uh, I don't. Here is what I don't understand: when they're mapping out the territory. By the way, BC, are you are you cashing Fox checks? You're damn right. I'm gonna talk to you about one of those checks in a minute. Rafe better have seen this this classic piece of television that was put out there over the weekend. But if you're mapping the territory, is this a? I don't get it, Rafe. And can you get in Uncle Al's head? Is this a mail-in because it's college football starting, and it's just like, all right, we're not gonna put our best matchup. Because we don't get want to get swallowed up by college football, or is this a? I'm Al. I love me some Lara. I always have. Here, Lara, get freshened up. I'm gonna need you. But Rafe, that's fine on FS1. How was this a Fox main event? How was that decision justified? I don't. I don't think that he needs to justify it because he could just do it. Right, it's but not... in terms of the overall strategy of marketing and matchmaking. I think I look the the trying to approach this honestly I would say PBC works with more fighters than any other outfit in 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 the sport right and everybody needs dates sometimes those that that that's going to lead to some really terrible fights and that happens with everyone right top rank puts on crap fights golden boy puts on crap fights match room Everybody puts on some crap fights, especially now that everyone is locked into these giant TV deals where they're, they are responsible for putting on X, you know, 50, 60 cards a year, however many it is. It's, it's more than, than fight fans are used to seeing. In some ways, that's great. And, and it does lead to, exciting surprising great fights sometimes that that we never would have gotten in another year when there was no reason to make them and it could lead to us seeing young rising stars to get excited about like in another five years ago nobody's giving a crap about watching Blair Cobb's fights on DAZN or on some streaming platform deep on an undercard of a fight of a, of a, of a pretty small title fight like like we did earlier this year so there's some good outcomes for it. The bad side is you get a lot of terrible fights that you got to sift through. You got to separate the wheat from the chaff now as a boxing fan. And that's not fun. It kind of sucks a lot of the time. I and just feel like, dude, I don't blame anyone who just sits it out and waits until afterwards, waits for the good fights to come along and watches those. You don't have to watch everything. You don't have to do everything. Right, you don't you have to consume very, everything they give us. You gave me a very big picture macro look at it, and I get it. But I'm actually looking for your micro reaction. I'm actually like, is it just okay? This is Canelo's brother. This will draw people into it, and it will make Lara look really good. Is that really the end of it? Is that the end of the discussion? I yes. Is there anything else it could possibly be? Like Lara needs a fight. He we don't want to put him in tough. Who is available? Okay, Ramon Alvarez wants it. Cool. All right. I mean, I guess you would have had the true X. Kid Chocolate rematch, but again, how much of the, of the needle is that moving as well? I don't know. But your boy, Sebi Fundura, the towering inferno, hey. did get bumped up to a co-main event slot. 
fought to a draw against some guy. Um, Jamonte Clark, baby. It was action because those are what Fundora fights are. Good Lord, he has a long arm when he jabs, Rafe. But was he exposed or solved in any way in this draw in your eyes as a, as a Fundora super fan? Well, as a Fundora super fan, I, I think I have to explain that the, the main basis of our fanhood is the novelty, is the trying to, the, the, the imagination, the way he, he makes us, he opens up a world of possibilities that probably most of us as boxing fans probably never imagined with a six foot seven <laughs> super welterweight. It is, and so it's a, it's sort of a fanciful thing. And he, and the great thing about it is that he also appears to be a, a, a legit, if not blue chip prospect in the sport, but someone who you want to see where he goes. Um, and I, I, to me, the jury is out. He, he, young fighters struggle. They have, they, they, they have these draws early in their career sometimes. Some of them, it, it, it shouldn't be even a big deal to, to have a loss early in one's career. Um, so he didn't look great. He, Jamonte Clark made him, you know, show, uh, was slick enough to, to, even though Fandora was trying to press the, the action here, he, he managed to eke out that draw. Good for him. Um, I, you know, keep fighting, keep developing. Seeing, getting exposed to these kind of fights, having to go rounds, that's more valuable for him, for him, arguably, if you believe in Fundora as a, as a contender someday in the future. It's more valuable for him to have a tough fight, to get tested, to have to deal with somebody who can do something other than retreat until that long arm of the Fundora catches up with them and, and they, and they get stopped. So, you know, I, the, the, so the bright side here, the, the optimistic view is that this was a, a positive learning experience and that both fighters, hey, make a rematch, see who deserves to move on from there. What would it look like, uh, if we could cross swords here and put Fundora against their, again, there against the rooster? Would he just send that boy to the, to the bottom floor pretty quick? You gotta think that that would happen. Um, uh, the, the rooster lost a fight after the JSK loss, so he's got some some rebuilding to do. And uh, I still love him. I want. I'm rooting for him. But Nico, and he plus he's had some hand injuries now, so it, uh, he he may be he may be on the back burner for a moment. I, the question now is, how many beers will Nico and his brothers and his father and maybe his sister have tonight in celebration? I don't think Nico does anything half-ass. I think he's an excessive kid. He trains hard. He parties hard, I'm sure. Thank you, A.C. Slater. All right. Uh, Rafe, speaking of nostalgia, are you watching BH90210, the, uh, the, the reboot on Fox, the, uh, the adult spinoff of, of, are you, are you in on this? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not that in on it, Brian. I'm sorry. I was, I, I watched like the first Season or two of the real 90210, oh, but it wasn't. Don't do that to it me. It wasn't for me. Oh god! All right. So you want to talk? You want to talk in living color with me? You want to talk uh, New York undercover? You want to talk some some stuff with a little more East Coast uh uh feel? Then yes, yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm I there with you. I was born on the East Coast, but we can all be California dreaming, and that's what 90210 was for us, Rafe. Uh, a look into what high school could have been like. I don't care. I don't need that. Forgot Jason Priestley. I don't even care that Luke Perry's dead, man. Well, all right, all right. That's where I. That's where I will stop you in your tracks. How? How dare you? All right, uh, Rafe. Let's get into the news that was this past week. And if we're going to talk about big moments in the past week in terms of things that went on, 
We're going to talk about Sunday. PBC face-to-face on Big Fox. The debut of the episode. Errol Spence Jr. and Sean Porter. Rafe, it happened on Sunday. A lot of people talking about it on the interwebs. But from the standpoint of friendship, from the standpoint of the foundation that you and I have created, Rafe, did you see it? Was this a service you also had, not just to support me, but to get in on a big story? What's going on? The war of words, the talk between Spence and Porter ahead of their September 28th Fox pay-per-view date. Rafe, were you with me? Rafe? Rafe, are you actually with me? No, seriously. Are you here with me or not? Look at me. Rafe, tell me, are you... Wow, that was good timing. All right, hold on a second. Let me find Rafe. All right, I found him. I found him. Rafe, you really... That could... Your internet goes down. You could not have timed that any better. Not... I thought you believe in conspiracies, Brian. This may have been a C-O-N-spiracy in which... I like your I like your your kitten there. Thank it's you. very Thank nice. You. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe very yeah. long hair. Is that oh, yeah, 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 doesn't yeah. shed too much? No, sheds like crazy. Very Siberian. Oh. Very, hey, well, uh, I, you know what? That's more interesting to me than PBC face to face hosted by Brian Campbell. Wow. So, Rafe, are you telling me you did not watch the episode that everybody's talking about? I saw the parts that everyone's talking about because, thankfully, they were shared on Twitter. <laughs> Did you see the opening, Rafe? The I heard about that. I haven't seen it. I, I hear you did well. We good friends. I love you, Daddy. But let's get it on. Hey, hey. Rafe, I regurgitated that to Spence, popped him a little bit. No, a good episode. Look, really, it did. Look, so this this forum, we've seen it going back to Max Kellerman's face-to-face or face-off. We've seen it in, in the British version. Sometimes it can really reveal some cool things about the fight. Sometimes it's just air. It's just dead air and talk. This one was interesting to psychologically really look at where they're at. It was almost as if Porter was upset that Spence doesn't think that highly of him. That says, you got talent, God-given, but you ain't got any skill. In fact, there was a a little riff that didn't end up in the show because there was so much good material that I wish had where uh, Spence was just like, look, bro, you're a barroom brawler. If I was going to get into a fight in a bar, I'd want you by my side, but that's about it. And then there was the flip side, which is Spence just being the cool gangster like doesn't get ever get affected by anything and was just like i'm gonna knock you out like so much i like okay we can be friends it's fine but i'm gonna knock you out rafe this guy is everything that we want him to be he's the real errol spence jr he's the real i believe he's the the truth right yeah yeah well played yeah EJ, yes. No, I, look, I, I, I caught a little bit of that in the, the big clip that's been going around where, yeah, it's Errol Spence basically dismissing everything that Sean Porter does in a boxing ring and saying, nah, man, it's like just because you're sloppy and hard to deal with doesn't mean that you have anything that I'm worried about. And that's – I understand why that's some good – that I understand why Sean Porter is upset with that because he's basically just saying, look, you know – your, your game is ugly and I don't care if it's effective. It's uh, like, I don't respect it. Um, so shoot, I hope, I hope to borrow another spent, you know, another line from a previous Errol Spence face to face, PBC face to face appearance when he said to Mikey Garcia, 
I hope you bring that same energy when we fight. I hope that Air, I hope that Sean Porter brings that energy that he's got right now when he's mad, when he's feeling spited, disrespected, that he comes and, and really that he sells out. I don't know. Or, or, or look, he doesn't have to sell out, fight like a madman, put himself at risk. He doesn't have to fight a stupid fight, but whatever Sean Porter and his, and, and his daddy, Kenny Porter, I love, I love him. When they get it on, I want to, I want to see them come with whatever the best version of that is. The best okay, game Sean plan they Porter- can. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Jumped there too early on that. That's right. it. Okay, That's it. Sean Porter has some big, big balls. Sean, uh, Rafe, I, we're, we're, you know, we're a few weeks out here. We're going to break this fight down at, at length, but it was as if I, I wasn't telling it. I couldn't tell if Sean was playing his cards in a certain way that, that was like, I'm going to come after you when maybe he knows he won't, or maybe he thinks a mixture of his dirty marauding style with that of the, quick in and out boxer that we saw against Danny Garcia. Maybe he thinks that's the best method. I'm not really sure here, Rafe. What do you think looking a few weeks out? If you're going to make a path to victory and look, we all, we all get it. These are two elites, but Spence appears by the eye test to be, I don't want to say significantly better because Sean Porter is really good, but a, a, a next level up. Like we're talking about Spence and Crawford as possible all timers here, just by the early eye test of where they're at and who they are. If you're Kenny Porter, what are you going to tell Sean? What's the best sort of style to give yourself the best chance to where you're not just inevitably walk down late and have to figure out how badly you want to take these shots? Well, look, I I think I, I Kenny Porter and Sean Porter know what we don't know as fans, as people on the outside, and that's why Sean Porter has chosen – to fight in that different style in his last couple of fights. Why he boxed more with Danny Garcia. Why he boxed more with your Dennis Ugas and had varying results. Personally, I'm not, I don't think that's the most effective version of Sean Porter. I am more of a be the, be the fighter that got you here for, for Sean Porter in general, almost regardless of the opponent. I, I don't, I just don't see how that style um, proves effective versus Errol Spence. And I kind of wonder if maybe maybe the, 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 the slight diff changes in how Sean Porter has been fighting recently have to do with how difficult it is, how physical it is to be the person applying that kind of pressure. Yeah, it, it's really hard on your opponent, but it ain't it ain't no picnic for for the person doing it either. And maybe as as Porter has gotten a little older, he can't sustain that kind of all-out mauling, sloppy, chest-to-chest, Kirkland breath-smelling effort. Well, it could be a thing where if you know it could break somebody. If you're going in there against an Andre Berto and you're pretty convinced you can break him, then break him. But if you don't have that full confidence that you can break Errol Spence in that way, do you want to pour out the jug? Do you want to shoot that load, so to speak? Well, okay, Brian. I think maybe you do because we already saw someone uh, – wow. So Mikey Garcia, we agree, is – you would look at him and say, oh, this is a more schooled, technical, precise boxer than Sean Porter. Now, maybe the size disadvantage was so great that that, that, that didn't come into play so much against Errol Spence. But I, I, I think that – I think that – it did. I think that Mikey was the boxer that he is in that fight, and he got outboxed and outsized. 
Um, but basically I'm saying that Errol Spence then, if you're looking at it that way, has already outboxed and beat a very good boxer, one of the best. So why would Sean Porter come in and think that, oh, I'm going to stay on the outside. I'm going to faint in and out. I'm going to, I'm going to jab. I'm going to do little things that got him the benefit of the doubt in a close fight with your Dennis Ugas that a lot of people did not even score for Sean Porter. Um, why would he do that? The, the thing that we don't really know, you can argue about Errol Spence. I think Errol Spence will prove it wrong, but you can, you can argue that he hasn't been tested in the way sloppy Sean Porter can test a man. He yeah, that's, hasn't that's what he's got faced a, a guy, a pressure fighter, who is as strong and durable and tough as Sean Porter and who can get in that ass, who can, as Brother Nassim said that one time, if you don't get the shotgun out and shoot him when he is, when you see him show up on your lawn, Sean Porter will be on that door and then he will be in that house and then you got a real problem and somebody's on your getting hands. knocked up yeah yeah you know you're right um it's just interesting because you look at it from the outside looking in what porter was able to do to danny garcia he was able to do because danny garcia has slower feet it was kind of similar to what tim bradley did against juan memo marquez in 2013 when we were like oh my god bradley's fresh off of ruslan this is going to be a killer brawl he might get knocked out and then he was just like i'm just going to use the foot speed advantage and dart in and out you're not going to be able to do that most likely against spence so I wonder if Porter's going to end up realizing at a certain point early in that fight, it's time to go for it. The only way I can beat this guy is by getting him into something sloppy. So it's going to be interesting to see Spence against that style. Can't wait. If you haven't caught that, please uh, set your DVR for replays on FS1 and 2. Check out the Fox Sports Go app. Really was a, a, a really strong version of that theater rafe. The, the trash talk ahead of the big fight. Some things were revealed. One thing that's drawing controversy, Rafe. From this episode, I don't know if you caught that, was a larger thing going on with Fox that I think needs some clarification. Remember when they played the full screen that time of the welterweight champions and didn't have Terrence Crawford? But, I am, I, I do recall this. But yes. then did do a full screen of the heavyweight champions and did have Tyson Fury and people thought, well, this is a, this is trying to act like Terrence Crawford doesn't exist. That's actually not the case. It appears as if Fox has just made a decision not to recognize the WBO as one of the four major belts and only recognize the BA, the BC, and the IBF. The reasons why, well, it seems a little bit complicated. But if you watch this episode of Face to Face, there was mention from the narrator that whoever wins this is going to be a two-belt unified champion and a super fight with Loom against Manny Pacquiao to become the undisputed. And, of course, right away everyone's going – what? What about WBO champion Terrence Crawford? Rafe, what are your thoughts on this decision, which is what it seems like, that Fox is basically saying, we don't recognize the BO, but we do recognize the other three, and we're going to crown our own undisputed champions, potentially, if you win all three belts? I, Brian, you couldn't pay me to care about this this garbage. You could not pay me to like do whatever the hell you want. Call it what you want. That's what that's what all that's what all boxing ever does anyway, right? It's all a shell game. It's all a con. Who cares? It's yes. Do I think it's stupid? Yes. You know what? I, I follow the sport closely enough to see through the lies, right? Realize, 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 Brian. I don't give a damn. Why should I? It's just weird. It's like the WBA should be the one that you would be like, well, look, they got too many titles. It's really not official. And, and WBO, what have they done wrong? 
specifically. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I obviously don't like it. I mean, and look, because it, it, it puts forth a message that wasn't true. They're not trying to shut out Terrence Crawford because he's on another network. They played Tyson Fury in another one. It's just sort of like the decision well, to, to. Well, Brian, Brian, Brian. Let's 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 be real here. So there there are probably other things going on there. You don't think that it is perhaps convenient for Fox, which whose provider for boxing content is PBC Premier Boxing Champions, to freeze out Terrence Crawford, who is on the long track to nowhere in a fight everyone wants to see with Errol Spence, and that does not seem to be a priority for PBC. You don't think it is in their interest to freeze that out and well, the, the I, WBO, I can... which has a reputation for having a close relationship with Bob Arum, That's probably Todd DeBuff, and Top Rank. That. So you yeah. are boxing out the main competitor. Now, oh, why would Tyson – well, Tyson Fury's with Top Rank. Why would he get the rub then? It's not – there's nothing going on here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Was Tyson Fury until – this morning, supposed to be fighting Deontay Wilder on Fox, most likely, pay-per-view network, next year. network uh, pay-per-view they, they're talking about, ESPN and Fox together. No, I get what you're saying, certainly. Like, it's, yeah, that's why they're putting Fury in, because they're selling Fury next year, maybe. Yeah, but that would mean also that they would sell the winner of their welterweight bracket against Crawford in a ESPN-Fox Yeah, joint which means they ain't looking at making that fight anytime uh, soon. I mean, look, it's not that anything you're saying is wrong. That's probably the root of all the politics here, of why this was determined, but it, it it just further splinters an already confusing and splintering world in which is that the real WBA title or is that the bootleg second one? Oh wait, what's the IBU? What's the WBU? Oh wait, I just watched a opening card bout on FS1 and they held up a title. Is that a real title? It's just the same sort of nonsense in boxing. Hate it. Hate that part of it. Ridiculousness. Love Spence Porter on face to face though. Check it out. All right, moving forward here, Rafe. Uh, you know Michael Montero, former actor and current uh, boxing voice? I'm familiar with his work. Okay. He tweeted out at Montero on Boxing the other day a list of upcoming DAZN fights for this fall. DAZN recently, especially on this pod when we're talking about the business, not really making the best headlines from the fact that some of the things that went on. We're not getting Triple G Canelo 3. We're not getting some other things. But here's what we might be getting, Rafe. You might go as far as echoing Eddie Hearn right now. As the kids would say, the value on DAZN is thick. In fact, it's lit. Rafe, tell me if DAZN is actually lit based on this Michael Montero tweet for the fourth quarter of 2019. Triple G, Daria Vinchenko, Canelo Kovalev, Ruiz Joshua 2, Pro Gray Taylor, Parker Chisora, Enue Donere, Brightest Dordicos, and Ali Usyk's heavyweight debut, which we'll get to in a second. Montero tweeted, if you don't have the zone in the fourth quarter of 2019, you're not a fight fan. That lineup is disgusting. Friend of the show, Todd Grisham, quote tweeted it and said, best in boxing by far. Rafe, is this a big, late comeback to 2019 for this streaming platform? Sure. Those are all good fights. I got nothing against that. I don't know if I would be out there telling people to buy DAZN because DAZN don't pay me nothing. I don't work for John Skipper. I once did. But like, great, great. Good fights. I don't really care who puts them on. I don't care, Brian. I'm going to watch them. I'll figure it out. Even if I don't have 
the platform, even if I'm not a subscriber, I will figure it out. I'm watching. I don't care about it's, it's great. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. Okay. Thank you, Rafe. Um, good for the zone. That's a nice little comeback there. Something you just teased before that just kind of broke this morning. What are you saying? That Deontay Wilder, who's headed into a fall rematch with Luis Ortiz, even though we still don't have a date, site, or network, may not be going after that against Tyson Fury in a joint network pay-per-view. What are you saying right now, Rafe? Brian, I am not all the way up on this because it is included in a, a video interview that I have not watched yet. But I'm just reading the aggregation on Twitter and... It sounds like in this interview, which is on some some new crap I never even heard of called 78 Sports TV. I mean, look, I I, I write for a website I never heard of a couple of years ago either. So this is this is this is the world we live in. So I, I no no shade on them, but they have an interview where Deontay Wilder is saying that he wants Tyson Fury to step aside and let him unify against Andy Ruiz, the winner of the Ruiz and Joshua rematch. And he says that I don't feel, quote, this is quoted, I don't feel Fury wants to fight me again anyway. So, yeah, maybe all that hubbub, all of that ridiculousness we've been chasing over huh. this rematch ain't even going to happen. Well, it was weird that they announced that rematch so far out when they both had well, fights all right. in the interim. We know what that was, right? They were just trying to jump in there and steal some shine during Joshua Ruiz 1 fight week. I hate boxing, Rafe. I really do. I hate bo- I hate the ridiculousness of boxing, Rafe. They're just jacking it from everywhere. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'll never jack. I won't back up. I'll be there till I can't breathe. Until These I jack. These guys are all taking turns jacking. It's Jacker City. First Fury. I, look, I don't even. When it comes down to next, the next step of this ridiculousness cycle of boxing is to start assigning blame to the various characters, the various fighters involved. Oh my God. Wilder is backing out. He's backing out of face and fury. Okay. Fury backed out of the, the, the originally planned rematch, which may or may not have ever been truly going to happen at the beginning of this year when, and good for him, right? He signed a gigantic deal with top rank. They're going to promote him on ESPN in the States. They're going to make him into a much bigger star, give him a ton of money, give him garbage fights against Tom Schwartz and Otto Wallen. Like, yeah, that's good money. Go get it, boy. And. Deontay Wilder, if he sees greener pastures, if he sees better opportunities next year facing the winner of Ruiz Joshua too, good for him. Like that's what they are. That's what the business is about. That's what they're going to do. Are they all jacking out of the opportunities to fight each other? Are they all big dossers and S houses? Hell yes, they are. That's, that's what money does to us, man. You can't, and you know what? If you don't take it while it's there, it's going to be gone and you're going to be worse. Then a S house, a Dosser, and a Jacker, you're gonna be you're gonna be a sucker. I mean, I don't often agree with Tyson Fury, but Deontay Wilder is a proper Dosser. Right? Dosser. Oh man, yeah, Matrum, yeah, Eddie uh, fucking the geese is obsessed with me. Alright, alright, enough on that, Eddie, enough on that. Uh I don't, who I don't know who to blame. I don't know who's jacking, I don't know who's dossing. I don't know what dossing is, Rafe. I just don't like this, alright? Everybody gotta eat, AJ once told us on this pod, but I wanna eat more, Rafe. I wanna eat these guys against each other. I don't like that. Uh let's bring in 
Alex- Alexander Usyk, who has officially changed his name to Alexander with an A on Twitter. Mike Coppinger, your your colleague on the uh, Athletic, did confirm that this change is real. Uh, it's also on his Instagram page. Yes, thank you. Double kebab. Double kebab. For, uh, he's finally going to make his heavyweight debut. I know we had thrown around names like Povetkin at one point, Carlos Tackham at another point. Um, yeah, I know that he'll eat anything. He wants to fight the winner of Joshua Ruiz next. I'm good. I'm very good. I feel, I'm very feel. I'm hungry. He's hungry for steak, Rafe. We know that. But what the hell is going on for his heavyweight debut? Is that October 12th on DAZN? He is going to fight some kickboxer named Tyrone Spong. Or at least I think it is. Let's go over to Usyk himself, Rafe. Uh, Tyrone Spong? 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 I don't don't know. Tyrone Spong. Yeah. Have you seen him fight before? Stop. <laughs> okay, wait, let's sign off, let's sign off, let's sign off. Radio Rahim on damage control there. Um, who's Tyrone Spong, Rafe? He's 34 years old. He is a kickboxer with a record of 91-7-1. So he's he's well regarded in that field. But as a boxer, he's 14-0 and with 13 KOs. But Rafe... He ain't fought anyone with a pulse in, in boxing. And I get for Alexander Usyk, you want to make him look great. You want to set him up here. But what the hell is this, Rave? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Tyrone Spunk is going – when you fight you, – when you fight Usyk – with Usyk stamina, he's going to he's gonna put the Spunk on load watch. So watch I'm, – I'm, I'm calling that – Immediately, this kickboxer may indeed shoot an L in this fight. Um, but yeah, until this week, the only thing I knew about Tyrone Spong was that he made headlines in Florida a couple weeks ago when his pet cougar escaped and he was, and he was charged with some sort of animal crime down in Florida. You mean the actual no. cat or like an older, good looking, <laughs> middle aged divorced woman? Uh, I hope he does not have a caged older divorced woman in his apartment. We know that's more of a, a smoker type deal, uh, with the gloves on. Alrighty then. Okay. Um, Brian, yeah, look, this, this doesn't make any kind of sense. I don't, do we blame Usyk and his camp entirely for this? Because it seemed like the Takam fight was back on track for this October debut. And then Carlos Takam was like, Oh, wait a minute. I don't actually have to go. Add another L to the, another likely L to my record and job out against this guy. Maybe I'll just go sign with uh, the Joe DeGuardia and ha- and get a new promoter and they'll hook me up with some easier fights. And and I look, hate boxing, Rafe. Good for Car. Good for Takam. If 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 that extends his career, uh, you know he's been a, a, a solid opponent at the championship level at heavyweight for for several years now. I'm not mad at Takam that he went and and probably found a better long-term option uh but it is certainly disappointing as hell for this fight uh, i mean i wanted to see that that was an off that was a, a the kind of debut for Usyk that i was ready to pop over and that i was like yeah this is a good test this guy is a legit heavyweight he wants to fight and, everybody tomorrow he doesn't want to wait 
I, I don't really doubt that, but it seems that all they could get was, was Spong and credit to Spong for, for daring to be great, I guess, taking, well, or just, or just taking a big lump of money that they're willing to pay him to, to jump up. The guy, Spong beat a, a fighter in Mexico this weekend, a Peruvian guy who's listed as a middleweight on BoxRec. Oh, this, this stuff don't make, you don't make any kind of sense. I'm no longer, look, I, Where's Paul? I'm at the point where I'm not even looking forward to seeing Usyk fight. And I was in love with this man for the better part of a year. And I used to love this sport, Rafe. Look, I, I'm hoping that it comes around. Like, just, look, every, most of these fighters do get a garbage first fight at the beginning of a deal, right? I mean, we saw Canelo gets Rocky Fielding. Triple G gets Steve Rolls. This is part of the deal. It's disappointing in this circumstance. They say that it could be leading because I believe it's the WBA elevated Usyk to, to, to the, its number one contender right away because that's a, the deal they have for any unified champion at a lower weight. Uh, that he could go and, and challenge for either Whatever happens with the championship belts after AJ Ruiz too. If, if Ruiz, if Joshua wins the belts back, the next fight could be Usyk. If Ruiz wins, then, well, he's probably not going to fight Usyk, but. Probably going to fight Wilder, right? Right. But then they can, then all the promoters can start stripping belts and, and getting into that kind of ridiculousness. And Usyk ends up fighting somebody decent. For a belt next year, a Pulev is, type or something like that. Just the, I know it's the hamster wheel. We go through the love and then the hate all the time with this sport. I mean, it's so freaking naughty. So I stroke it, and I pet it, and I massage it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. <laughs> and, then I t- and then I just, yeah, I mean, it's just, ah, uh, great. Oh, all right, but yeah, look. I don't, I don't New have, guys puking his guts out in the corner. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a positive. Oh spin on my this. god! I, Here not, comes the meat wagon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick. I'm gonna. How about I go turn on the burners for you? All right. Uh, not so much here, Rafe. Not so much here. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get out of this show here. Uh, Pacquiao's got a cryptocurrency and he's got a concert to announce. This Rafe is this on the up and up? Is it on the up and up? Our our cryptocurrencies, as far as I know, don't have to be on the up and up. They are, I mean, in some cases, some of them are legit. Some of them are just cash grabs. Some of them make no sense. I'm going to guess that the, that the pack coin, uh, lands somewhere between, uh, numbers two and three on that spectrum. I think, look, he's got a name. They launched their coin. Is popular. There, someone, there will probably be some Pacquiao fans who buy some amount of pack coin, either because they like to support Manny, because they work for him in, in the Philippines and, and want to support him in that way, or because they're just fans. Maybe even it'll, who the heck knows? I mean, the, the, I am no expert in the world of cryptocurrencies and perhaps it could even gain the interest of real investors. But at the end of the day, they're just going to take that money and, and walk away with it. And fine, if anyone, buyer beware, right? If you want to put your money into a cryptocurrency you, and that you don't have really any clue what's going to happen to it, um, go for it. See Darren what happens. Waddell and Reed rich. don't invest in 
pack coin or pot coin. That kid think that daddy has some pot coin because daddy endorses the use of marijuana. It's legal, Rich, all right, in most states these days. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of Richard Dwyer, Rafe, we've got a new pronunciation <laughs> of the great light heavyweight champion. As a reminder, Dwyer's pronunciations are fantastic, and really his Hall of Fame entry in that category was... Sergei Kovalev. Well, we've got something new here from Richie, which I was hoping to interview him on this week. He didn't get back to me, but here we go. Sergei or Sergei. Kovalev, the champ at 175 pounds. Yeah, we know him, the, the journalist. Uh, by the way, I have a running joke now with Marcos Viejas, the journalist, about that Dwyer video. I have turned him the on. The journalist. Uh, yeah, the journalist. Um, speaking of Kovalev, Rafe, we all know about his history outside the ring. We know what Dwyer said in the past. Well, he belongs on my crime channel here on YouTube. Um, but Dwyer's gone a little deeper this week. You've sent me some sound. Understand, we know Kovalev's not a Boy Scout. That incident on the plane with the woman where Kovalev's throwing money at her is just downright embarrassing. You couldn't even imagine Canelo being in that position. We know he's not a Boy Scout. But there's something compelling about him, isn't there? There is, Rich, but uh, don't act like Canelo's some superhero. He went to the sidewalk to knock out a flyweight over an argument over a girl, right? He was born ready, Brian. <laughs> I mean, he's got weird tattoos. No one talks about all the tattoos on the inside of Canelo's left forearm, from the wrist to the elbow, from the lip to the cup, and I know you don't understand that, Rafe. Gotta, you got to give him credit, though, Brian. Like Compared to other fighters who have added heavy ink late in their careers or in the middle of their careers, say Miguel Cotto. He has, he's one of the few fighters who's gotten better as he's added tattoos. Most of the time it's, it's some sort of uh, midlife crisis or mid mid career crisis where it's like, in addition to switching new to a new trainer, you have to add a bunch of cool looking tattoos to convince yourself that you're still, you still have it to be a professional fighter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, we've all got issues, Rafe. Let's face it. We all have problems, right? Yeah, we do. Um, Rafe, did you catch Dana White two weeks ago on the Chris Maddox Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast? By any chance? I sure diddly did. All right. I, you know, it was Labor Day this weekend, had a long weekend, did some projects around the high. I had a lot of, a lot of air, air time. It's performance enhancing audio time. Um, the, where we, where we, where we are at on Zufa boxing or UFC boxing or whatever it is, is that Dana is going to announce in October the man he's hired to run it and sort of what their initial plan is. And he didn't want to give Mannix details, but then kind of did in some weird ways. Rafe, what do you think his big plan is after listening to that interview? Well, after listening to that interview, it sounds like he wants to start a UFC style boxing promotion a and league? a league rave a league yes and and it sounded like maybe that means starting young right not necessarily trying to take over immediately but but developing something knowing that you can't come in and and steal the whole pie but you could perhaps grow something grow a league that people prefer and that because he has the UFC experience and imprimatur maybe he could convince major powers in the sports broadcasting world to be to bet on him and say look Dana's league is not the best right now but 
He's offering a, a track record of success, knowing how to sell fights, build fighters, and screwing over the athletes uh, in a way that <laughs> allows everyone to make a ton of money. It's just weird because it's the opposite model of PBC, which is going after giving the athletes more money than they were used to, giving them softball opportunities at times on high levels to set up for the bigger fights. So what was weird in that interview, Rafe, is at times he made it seem like he's going to be a promoter. But then other times he made it seem like he's just going to offer UFC Fight Pass as a network. Like he said, he mentioned maybe becoming the next HBO. And then, you know, there was the extension of, well, I'll offer the fighters use of the Performance Institute, which is free training camp, free meals, all this stuff. And it almost sounded, Rafe, like he has a want to sort of be the central promotional governing body of the entire sport and present so much money on the table that all the promoters will come to him. If that's more of his long-term goal, even though that's giant swinging big and big picture, I kind of feel like he could potentially have more success there than I'm going to sign some fighters and try to get the biggest stable going. Because you can't do that in boxing. There's a reason why Aram's still the, the man. You know, There's a reason why these, these entrenched figures are able to do it. Do you see anything there, Rafe? Where Dana could be the overarching savior of somehow organizing boxing? Savior? I would, I would not go that far. Could he come in and become a serious part of the sport? Build something that, that even changes the way that boxing in North America and around the world is, is air, is broadcast and perceived and, and just the structure. Cause right now we have what? We have the same Wild West structure, basically, unregulated uh which that that has existed since from time immemorial right nothing really changes and and boxing in a way that is both its strength and its weakness it it makes it impossible for boxing to really grow and harness its full commercial strength as a sport but it also allows the greatest fighters to negotiate for the, the biggest cuts of money. It, 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 it allows the sport to always be available for whoever's on the block ready to set some money on fire and throw it into boxing. Hey, DAZN, come over here. We cook you up. You need some content. We got you. So boxing is, is sort of this amoeba. It's this insurgency that can conform itself to whatever kind of thing the sports business world the sports broadcasting world needs and wants at a given moment just, you can always find some way to put some boxing on dana might try and come in and change that maybe he can will it be better i don't know i really well, don't know i mean you is the ufc better than boxing you you follow but is, well, is there yeah, because a strong they have a control that it it would seem impossible to gain in boxing unless you have some really smart long game. And that's part of what he talked about. What, what I can't figure out from that interview is whether he's just naive and he's got too many ducks in his pond and he's saying, well, yeah, I'll be part promoter, part network, part this, part that, part middleman, part everything, and that's a naive way to look at it. Or does he have some detailed plan and certainly has the money backing and has the experience as a great promoter that somehow could strip through the BS and get everybody to want to work with him. And again, I don't mean from the standpoint of him becoming just another power promoter. I actually mean from the standpoint of him, I don't know. I, I don't see how it would work, I guess. I, unless he, like, I want to believe that he has some type of plan that we're not thinking about. But no matter what that plan is, whether it's consolidation of belts and creating his own or 
trying to just be the highest bidder network-wise and showing people that if you come to me, I'll promote your stuff better. All of those, there's still a problem because the powers that be would be like, well, F you. I'll just keep doing my own thing, right? I just don't see it. Yeah, they wouldn't just be like, we'll keep doing our own thing. They would probably actively try to stop whatever rival business model he comes up with because I mean it does that's that's that all that also happens all the time in boxing. Hey, Rock Nation, you want to come? You want to come get you know screwed over by us for a few for for a few years? Please come right in. We'll take all your money as much as you're willing to dump in. We will take it. We are boxing. We are thieves, Rafe, and, and it's great this way. And, and he said he said some smart things about I need to have a TV free entity, and I also am going to have a pay per view side of it. So unless his plan is some of that rumored stuff we heard of Endeavor, the UFC parent company, buying PBC, which the impact of that is suddenly you have half of the great fighters in the world and you mm-hmm. have a American national television deal in place with Fox, like, you know, and, and the use of Fox's NFL platforms to promote it, all that good stuff. Unless it's something as big of a power move as that and you're basically saying to the rest of boxing, I now have half the field. In the end, you're either with me or against me. I'm going to welcome you in early. But you need to, if you need to start working with me and realize I'm going to become the super league of this sport and try to do what they've done in UFC, which or done in MMA, which is saying they don't own all of MMA, but they own such a big percentage. They are considered the major leagues. Unless you're going into that type of specific warfare, I don't see how it's going to last picking out three favorites, three famous fighters and a couple young prospects and saying we're starting our own promotion. You're not going to do anything. Look at what DAZN did. DAZN splashed the pot and basically became HBO, right? But they had to spend an obscene amount and you can still argue long term whether it will work. Dana, I think you're either going to buy the PBC or you ain't going nowhere. Well, Brian, one thing to note here about the whole buying the PBC idea is that and obviously I have not seen the contracts myself. I don't know what the paperwork looks like, but I have heard on say, I shout out to Evan Rudkowski, Fistionado's podcast. Great place to learn something about the boxing business. Shout out to the reporting of a lot of good boxing writers that I've read on this. By the way, what Kurt Emhoff, great podcast, great, great business. Absolutely. Great. Kurt Emhoff, boxing Esquire. Um, but from what it sounds like, not all PBC fighters are under airtight long-term contracts. In fact, that that seems to be not the way the business is run. It is more fight to fight. It is more on the strength of Al Heyman's word, loyalty, and power of personality, and and just his word, and that holds the whole thing together, which is incredible, incredible. What an achievement by Heyman! But also makes it very hard to sell and very hard to transfer. Like if, if, if you, you're not going, no one is going to spend hundreds of millions or a billion dollars, whatever it will cost to buy the PBC without knowing that all of those fighters are going to be there for some long, lengthy amount of time, two years or three years, something like that. They're not going to buy that without that assurance because otherwise you're just buying an empty vessel well, and they will golden boy your ass true. and take all the fighters with them. You'd have to buy Heyman in that. You'd have to buy his services to stay on as the – Why would – if you're Al Heyman, why would you let – why would you want a boss? You are the boss. Well, why I, would you want to answer maybe, to Dana White of all people? Maybe if you read some of those initial rumors when that report came out is that 
the investors wanted their money back. So maybe that's part of it. But I think it would only work it from what you're saying, which is the big red flag of these fighters aren't under promotional deals. Why would they stay around? Well, they trust Al. They trust the way they're treated. Al works well with Dana. Look, I don't even know if that's going to happen, but I'm just basically saying that would be the only way I'd seriously believe. Unless Dana says, screw it. I'm not promoting fighters. I am going to be a house. I'm going to be a... When the big fights can't get done because they're, du- they're dual networks, I'm going to try to be the middleman who brings everyone together, pays a lot of money to get the rights, and I'll show you how I can out-promote you. I don't know. We'll see. I just I can't tell if that guy's crazy or crazy like a fox, Rafe. Who cares? We're moving on. Time here. will tell. October, right? Yeah, time will tell, Rafe. Let's get into Do You Care and Rafe. This, you're going to have to tell me at the end whether this is the loneliest weekend in boxing history. I'm qualified to make that uh assert that 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 whatever judgment. Do you care about this weekend? The answer up front will be no, but let's find out sp- exclusively and specifically Thursday LA, your old backyard ringtv.com. Art Hovenason, Hovanison, Hovenesian, right? Hovenesian 12 round junior featherweights against Franklin Manzania. Do you care? Yet nine no. Friday night, no TV from New Orleans. Cornelius Canine Bundridge is back, Rafe. Eight rounds, junior middleweights against Javier Garcia. Brian, I won't lie and say that I don't get a little jolt of joy every time I see a Cornelius Bundridge or a Chop Chop Corley still active this late in their careers, just being like, oh, my God, that's happening? But I ain't going to watch this. Rafe, Canine is 46 years old. He did fight in 2017 a couple times. Don't fall in love, Brian, with a fighter who no longer exists. He produced the Ishe Smith crying meme, one of the greater emotional moments in boxing history. Saturday, this is up your alley, Rafe, from Taiguig City, Philippines. Taiguig City, please. Taiguig. We got a title fight in Taiguig, Rafe. Sammy Salva will take on Padro Tadaran for the vacant IBF strawweight title. Do you care? Oh, yeah. I'm watching, baby. ESPN five maybe some some network out there I could find it. Taduan is a, a point Pino? <laughs> Taduran yes. What about Sammy Salva? Sounds Doesn't, like a, does not sound like it to me. A video game character or something. Uh, <laughs> in the co-main event, Comgrich Nantapech. Sammy Saliva. Comgrich Nantapech versus Gmail McGrath. Rafe, this is a lonely exercise we're doing right now. Why am Did I doing this? Bene- Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <Say> what? <laughs> All right, also on Saturday from Tokyo, the main event you won't care about when Yuki Nagano takes on Makoto Kawasaki in an off-TV on the American side 10-round welterweight bout. But do you care about the co-main when Jorge Linares faces Al Tayogan 10 rounds junior welterweights? Al Tayogan, that's that's definitely a Filipino name, so I care for this on two fronts. Brian... I, I'm always going to care about Linares. I mean, I'm curious to see if if he looks anything like himself after that shocking knockout loss to Pablo Cesar Cano earlier this year. And, you know, seeing Lomachenko and Campbell last weekend, how could that not get your juices flowing a little bit for – how could that not whet your appetite for Linares? Because you, thought- you think of both of those guys fight, had good fights against him. I thought Linares is fighting Pedraza coming up. Is that was that a thing? I thought I read that. I think I did hear about that, but many I would say like half of the fights that get announced these days aren't actually made. 
Yeah, do do are reporters jumping the gun? I don't understand this. There's a lot of sources out there. Might have, might have shot his load. There's a lot of sauces out there, Rafe. A lot of condiments to choose from in the end. Um I'm I'm not gonna ask you anything else. The rest this sucks. Okay, this weekend sucks. But you know, Spend get get stuff done. It could be the last nice weekend of the year, depending on where you live, Rafe. Okay. Shout out to the people, by the way, fighting off this hurricane down in Florida and Greater Bahamas. Tough to see those things coming through, Rafe. Um, next week, there's some rumors that we may have a special guest, a very special guest, Rafe. You're talking about a very, very special guest, Rafe. All time Gypsy Boys. All time the Irish crew. Hey here we go. Rise it, just a bunch of stuff like Tyson. Seven and here we go, yo. Punch up, land my girlfriend, Bruno. Bruno! Give it to your bro, I got a cool one. I'm in a sex and poke, poo. Riff, I just don't get it. I know you enjoy being hurt. Shout out to content provider of the year on the State of Combat podcast last year. Evan Korn of Top Rank, if he can make this happen. It's going to be gypsy time. Will you be ready? Will you be there? Will you be ready? I was born ready. You give me the time and the place, and I will be there. In fact, it, this this got even more exciting if there are is some legs to this brewing Deontay Wilder situation. I would love to get a fired-up Tyson Fury in here to drop a bunch of dossers and S-houses, talk about all the reasons why Deontay Wilder wants no parts of the G-King. I'm not pulling out nothing. It's on like Donkey Kong. Tyson Fury is like a king coming to America. Ato Valin, you are next, my friend. Thank Left, you. right, good night. We'll see you later. Bang. Uh, Rafe, that's it for the show this week. We after round, we, we got a triple-double. Um, Yeah. Hello, Grandpa. Shout out to all of our listeners. Shout out to the the quality blokes of the world. The Dylan Hagers, by the way, who listens to all three State of Combat podcasts each week. Rafe, I know you, you're not you're not down with 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 grown men in their underwear. I mean, I know you're from the hood, but uh, there are people that that listen to all three varieties and styles condiments of the State of Combat. The Brian Campbell mega fans out there, please visit him in Connecticut. Take his kidneys. Shout out to Alex Godinez, the 80K crew. Shout out to uh, Ed Sharon and the 240K crew. Oh, yeah. He got 240 at Wembley. I don't know about that. I don't know if copyright would have allowed us to play that sound bite, but, uh, yeah, let me look you up. All right, Rafe, that's the show this week. Uh, for my friend Rafe Bartholomew, my name is Brian Campbell, the host of PBC Face to Face, and we are out. <laughs>